When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here to answer your questions, which I love doing, by the way. And if you want to get your questions answered, submit them to connect at impacttheory.com. That's connect at impacttheory.com. If you want to remain anonymous, just say that. Our boy Chase is the one looking out for you, and he will make sure that your name is either included or not included at your request. All right, thank you guys so much for joining me today. By the way, if you're listening to this, beautiful podcast. If you would go to your podcast app of choice and subscribe to this bad boy, that would help us a lot. Actually helps more than you guys know. I am determined to climb up these rankings and help more people. So it would help me if you guys would go rock that out. If this is adding value, of course. If it's not, then shame on me. All right, here we go. Keegan, I have crippling social anxiety and fear of rejection and humiliation, and I habitually overanalyze my interactions with others, including my loved ones. While in recent years I've gone to therapy and have pushed myself to do things that require social interaction, I've only become more self-critical and find it deeply damaging to my self-esteem to have an awkward conversation with a colleague about the weather. I know this pattern of thought is not rational or healthy, and I feel that I must learn how to manage it in order to fulfill my dream of improving millions of lives. Do you have any advice? Yes. Okay, so this is super interesting because you actually already have a goal, and a lot of times that's where I would start people, is to find a way to connect to it so that the dream that you're trying to make come true really matters to you, and that's going to help you actually have the, um, the grit to see this through, but then beyond that, and this is, it's, it's interesting because you already have this, but I don't know if you're framing it like what I'm about to suggest. So what I did, because I had something so similar where I would even freak out around my family, which was super weird to me. Um, so what I started reminding myself was that I was trying to do something to help people. I didn't need to look cool. It was absolutely fine if I fumbled my way through it because ultimately at the end of the day, what I was trying to do was help people. And so when you talk about being self-critical and that you beat yourself up, even just having an awkward conversation about the weather with a colleague, the way that I began to help myself through that was by really realizing it didn't matter if I was fumbling my way through it. It did not matter that I was cool. None of that was relevant when I thought about what I was really trying to do, which was help people. That's number one. That's not going to get you all the way through it, but it's definitely going to be the first step. So the next thing that I would do is <clears throat> you really have to, <clears throat> excuse me, focus on um, learning to, at a physiological level, lower your anxiety. And so meditating is huge. And this was the way that I stopped myself from letting the um, pattern spiral out of control. So what happens is you get in this physiological loop that is self-reinforcing. So you start to feel a little anxious, which makes you anxious because you're afraid people are going to be able to tell that you're anxious, which then makes your heart race more, which then makes you more anxious because you know that people are going to tell, ah, and you get in this loop of 
the anxiety makes you more anxious. And because of that, you've got to find a way to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system to really calm yourself in real time. And so learning to diaphragm breathe is going to be a huge part of this. And then the third thing that you're going to want to do is have a code that you live by. And so a big thing for me was recognizing that if something wasn't moving me towards my goals, and you obviously already recognize that, that this behavior is not helping you. But once I realized that, then I could just let go of whatever it is that I was worried about. So if I was worried about looking like a total ass or embarrassing myself, I would just remind myself that my code is to do and believe that which moves me towards my goals. And being paranoid about um, messing up or not looking cool or not saying the right thing wasn't helping me. And so I totally let myself off the hook. Then I follow that with the reminder that, hey, I'm doing this to help people and nobody cares if I fumble through this. The only thing that really matters is, was I able to add value? And then the third thing is to really, really get good at those physiological hooks of being able to lower your anxiety levels by diaphragm breathing. And in the beginning, and this is super embarrassing, and I get it because I went through exactly this, you're going to have to be very okay with doing breathing that people are going to know that you're trying to calm yourself down. And yes, it's a little embarrassing, but when you let go of that and you just even right now, it's shocking how good that feels. And yeah, people are going to hear you breathe and they're going to wonder what the hell you're doing, but it is going to lower your anxiety levels. So learning how to do that, learning how to calm yourself in real time, in the moment, and to think of every, this is the fourth one, think of everything as practice. So there is no performance. There's no like moment that matters. And so even if you're in front of a huge audience, it's not a moment that matters. It's an opportunity to practice calming yourself. And yes, I fully understand that that's a lot easier to say than to do. But when you start doing that and you have that frame of reference that this is practice, it does get easier over uh, time. And so to give you an idea, when I started doing AMAs, I was terrified. In fact, I think if you look back at the first time uh, for Impact Theory, the first time that I appeared on camera, uh, I made Agent Smith sit with me because it was so much easier for me to have somebody else there than to do it by myself. So look. It's just the reality. And every, like my wife of all people was like, what? Like she couldn't fathom that I got nervous because she sees me as somebody that doesn't get nervous. And that was part of my problem. I didn't want her to know how anxious I got. Uh, and so for years I tried to keep it a secret from her, which only made it worse. Uh, so yeah, letting go of all that stuff, not trying to be cool anyway. I'm just looping now. There it is. All right. Brendan O'Brien. Hi, Tom. I have a lifelong struggle with a quick temper. Now I'm 41 and have two young children for whom I want to be the best role model I can be. Despite having made lots of progress on my mindset and other areas of my life, an effective strategy to slow my temper continues to elude me. What approach would you take if you were in my position? All right. So <clears throat> you need to really identify what it is that sets you off. Because what's happened is over the years, however many years it was before you started to try to unwind this, you laid some deep tracks down in terms of just the neurological pattern. And so whatever your trigger is, when that hits, boom, you're going to go there immediately. You're going to have that physiological reaction. And then some part of your brain is going to buy into that that is an okay reaction. And so you've got to really unwind all of that. And the only way that I know to do that is to figure out what it is exactly that is causing that. And so then you're going to go into every interaction knowing even if it's petty, it doesn't matter. Don't judge yourself for it. That's only going to make it worse. Just know what your trigger is. So, hey, this is my trigger. So now when this happens again, even though it feels justified, even though I feel like I should be angry about this thing, this is practice. And so I'm going to practice staying calm 
even though I feel like I should be reacting with anger to this thing. And when you do that and you start building your pride around your ability to not allow yourself to express that thing that in that moment is going to feel real because you have the neurological hardwiring, because that chemical firing pattern is so ready to go at all times that it's, it's gonna feel real. And that's the thing about emotions people need to understand. They feel so real. You will feel so justified in being angry. And so you've gotta have something else that's going to allow you to break that pattern. And it's gotta be something that you're amped up to do. You've gotta be excited to get better at this. You've gotta make it a game. You've gotta practice. And you've gotta say, okay, cool. I know I'm gonna make mistakes with my kids. I'm gonna immediately apologize if I do. And I'm going to hold myself to an insanely high standard of getting better, but I'm gonna make it fun. And I'm not gonna kick myself in the teeth every time I make a mistake, but 20% of the time I am, because you're gonna need that pain. Pain plus reflection equals progress, right? Our boy Ray Dalio coming to the rescue. So you're going to get in that loop, but you need to also be able to enjoy it because if it just becomes a cycle of self-abuse, you're never gonna get out of it. So 20% of the time you are gonna remind yourself that when you get pissed like that with your children, A, you're not the role model that you wanna be, and then B, it, it leaves a mark. And so with kids, like there's a pretty big impetus to get moving. Now, the flip side of that coin is 80% of the time, you wanna spend it in that beautiful place of what you're trying to create for your kids, the fun, the excitement of having a goal and going after it, all of that stuff is gonna help you unwind. So you need to build new patterns, let that um, anger trigger be a habit loop trigger for something positive and empowering, even if it's you have to stop and say something that you're grateful for with your, if it's your kids that are triggering you, um, you know, in that moment where it's, you step on the Lego and you're really pissed because it hurt. In that moment, you're gonna remind yourself of the smile that they have or the drawing that they did for you or the hug or whatever it is, something that you're grateful for. It doesn't have to be big as long as it's something that's real. And if you use that anger as the habit loop trigger to go into gratitude, it's gonna pull you out. So you're building something new whilst you tear down the old. All right, Krista McConan. When you speak about having a goal, everything makes sense. You have to put effort towards that goal, etc. But what do you do when you don't have a goal? I mean, I have this tremendous urge to do things that'll make things better for people, but I don't know what would be the concrete steps towards it. So if I have the energy, where will I find my goal? All right, I love this question. I think a lot of people struggle with this exact thing. And I think the number one thing that holds people back, the number one, is lack of a crystal clear goal. So the way that you're gonna build that is it's part of finding your passion. Sorry, I can't even, I use that language. Part of building your passion is in that, at some point, you're gonna find something that you really do enjoy and then you're just going to decide on a goal. Here's the key thing about goals. They're never gonna feel right. It's never gonna feel big enough. It's never gonna feel like it really scratches that itch. Why? Because your goal feeling real is very much like a passion. It is a process. So you're first going to say to people or to yourself, here's my goal. Then you're gonna write it down. And in writing the goal down, it's gonna to start to become a little more real. And you're gonna be like, whoa, I had to like choose really specific words. It wasn't just a thought in my head. I really had to put it down in a single sentence what my goal is. That specificity is already gonna force you to start really thinking about the process. Then you're gonna start telling other people, this is my goal. This is what I wanna do. I wanna help people by doing X, Y, Z. Really specific, like really specific. In doing that, it's all gonna to start to be real. Then as you tell people about it, I want you to embody the excitement. Now remember, none of this is gonna feel right. It's not gonna feel like, yeah, this is what my life was meant to be. That's gonna be 
I'm seriously like three to five years down the road of telling people that's what you're about, that's when it's really going to take hold in your personality. And so you just have to understand that that's the way the mind works. It isn't passions aren't love at first sight. Goals aren't love at first sight. All of it is gonna seem pretty arbitrary. You're gonna have 10 things that are before you that you could choose that all are like pretty powerful in your life and you're really excited about them. But you need to decide. And my thing is, it is far better and anybody that wants to argue with me on this one, I will happily. It is far better to move a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction than to stand still. Why? Because in moving a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction, you're learning something. And it's not like you have to retrace all of those steps. It's not how goal setting works. You simply move tracks and you start over. So you don't have to undo the thousand miles. You simply have to recognize, okay, well that time was spent somewhere that was purely educational. Great. No problem. I'm going to move tracks. I've learned something now. I know better about what I want. And so even though you're quote unquote moving in the wrong direction, you're getting educated. You're learning something at a visceral level, at an emotional level. You're never going to think your way out of this problem. You are only going to act your way out of this problem. To figure out which of the 10 goals is really gonna resonate in your life, pick one and start going down that path. And you will realize very quickly whether or not that's one for you. But a thousand years of standing still gets you nothing. And that's where people stay. They spend their entire lives not wanting to shut any one of those doors because of the opportunity cost of doing one thing means they're not doing the other nine. And they're absolutely paralyzed by that opportunity cost. And I think everybody needs to hold themselves to the standard of, I'm always shutting doors so that there's only one remaining and then I'm gonna run through that door. If you do that, even though it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel real, it doesn't feel the totality of what you thought it would be, you're gonna go through that door and you're gonna go with everything you've got and you're gonna assess along the way. Is this feeling better and better as I go or is it feeling worse and worse? If it feels worse and worse, change tracks. And if it feels better and better, then you know that you went through the right door. But you gotta go through the door. Tig Carl. All right. Tom, what are your favorite pump-up songs to transform your energy state from low energy to high energy? In a past AMA, you said you have six reliable songs, Jay-Z, etc. I would like to try them out. Thank you. Um, yeah, Jay-Z, a lot of stuff by Jay-Z uh, gets me going. Um, off of the Black Album and Watch the Throne, those are my two favorite albums of Jay-Z's. You almost can't go wrong with pretty much any track on there. Um, Prime Time is a really, really good one. That one gets me hype. Um, and then another one that I really like outside of the Jay-Z angle, uh, Foo Fighters have some amazing stuff. Pretender by Foo Fighters is really wicked. And then if you know, um, oh God, what is the name of the song? Faint by Linkin Park. That song I once listened to for like eight hours straight. And when you hear it, you're going to think, wow, that sounds like torture. Um, but I was writing something at the time and it needed to be ultra aggressive. That song can change my state. Uh, and then if you know Fort Minor, which is a spinoff of um, the gentleman from Lincoln Park, Mike Shinoda, um, he, there's a song on there called uh, Remember My Name, I think. Um, that's another good one. All right, Marcus Anderson. Do you have any insights from your recent five-day fast? You've said that fasting is to the body as meditation is to the mind. Did you have any breakthrough aha moments this time around? I wouldn't say that I had breakthrough aha moments. It's not a spiritual thing for me, um, but fasting is a tremendous 
tremendous way to meet yourself. I think you only really meet who you are in suffering. And in those moments where something sucks and you've got to keep going and you've got to have the grit and the stamina and the fortitude to see it through, you really find out where you are, man. That is like serious gut check time. And I can think of nothing better to gut check yourself with than either brutal exercise or doing a fast, a long extended fast. Like those two things are awesome gut checks. Um, So from that perspective, it's good. I like reminding myself of what I'm capable of. I like saying this is what I'm gonna do, setting my mind to it and then doing it. I like doing the hard things. I think we all need to do hard things from time to time. Um, And then on top of that, one thing that I really found that's sort of a really light aha moment was realizing that a big part of why I like eating is because it's a dopamine hit. So it's just fun. Eating is rad. It's something to look forward to. And you realize that food really is a drug and it has that same cool neurochemical effect. And so having a meal to look forward to and then getting to eat it and knowing, oh, I get to eat again and you know, whatever, three or four hours, like I'm so excited and I'm gonna have this. And like that whole process is fun. And it adds to any day, it adds an amount of enjoyment. And so every day is really only as lame as the food that you get to eat. And that's how people get fat because it is awesome. It is awesome to be able to look forward to a bowl of ice cream or a bag of Doritos or Funyuns if you rock like me or black licorice, which I love. And Chase is shaking his head right now because that has once been likened by one of my favorite authors to writhing maggots, which I was taken aback by. I had no idea that people didn't like black licorice. Uh, It's amazing. So having something like, even now as I was describing that, I was like, man, that sounds really good. And so going through that process of having something to look forward to um, is, it's really interesting. People obviously get themselves in trouble with it, but it's cool. It's a nice addition to any day. So that was a really interesting insight. I'd never realized just how much even I, who eat relatively bland food, um, how much I look forward to it. So yeah, that was interesting. But um, I think it's powerful for a host, a whole host of reasons. Um, but I wouldn't say that they are sort of aha related. All right, Henry Bell. I've just graduated from university and landed a great job, but my dream has always been to start my own business. I was working towards this goal while studying, but ended up caving and getting a conventional job due to social pressure and convenience. However, despite this, I still feel a strong pull towards entrepreneurship. Family and friends tell me my business goals are distracting me from my job and that I'm wasting the opportunities it has to offer. Do you think I should focus my energy on my job, burn the bridges and focus my dream, or try to juggle both? I think it almost doesn't matter. I think you should do whatever sets you on fire and whatever you choose, even if it's burn bridges and go do the entrepreneurial thing, which is probably what I would choose second. So first I would juggle, I don't like the word juggle, but I would do both so that I had safety and security and didn't have a gun to my head as an entrepreneur, which may make you think that you're a worse entrepreneur than you really are. So keeping my job and doing the nights and weekends hustle thing is what worked for me. That's what I did exactly. Uh, and that was totally powerful for me. So I, that would be where I would start, but I would sooner burn bridges and chase the thing that I really want to chase before I would just put my head down and you know try to work a nine to five that I'm not really passionate about. You have this one life and it is going to be measured entirely by fulfillment. It is not going to be measured by money. And I will just tell you this, I've never made less money in my life than I'm making right now. We put so much money into the things that we're building right now. And look, I believe that it's ultimately going to only further my fortune, but I've also never been more fulfilled. So clearly, making a whole bunch of money right now is not 
in any way, shape or form detracting from my fulfillment. So doing something that I believe in with people that I love and trust and believe are exceptional at their jobs, that's rad. And so putting your eggs in that basket before you just go and do a job that you don't care about would be my advice. Now, for all of those out there that are linchpins and that wanna work inside of a company, know that there is a way to just have, to have just as much beauty and fulfillment in doing that as somebody who starts a company. I just think there are different desires in life. It's about being honest with what you wanna do. Um, so going all in on that thing that you love should be the goal, but I don't think that it is problematic to also take care of your financial needs and all of that uh, to really give yourself space to fail as an entrepreneur, which the beginning of your career is almost certainly going to be marked by just massive catastrophic failure. And if you, one, if that puts you in a precarious financial situation, it's going to be less fun. Two, when your friends come a knocking and telling you that you're a moron, which they are going to do because you're going to fail in the beginning and it's going to look like you're losing. And what they don't understand is that you're learning all the things that you need to learn. So in those moments, if you also have some money coming in, that really helps a lot. All right. Bernardo Nakfus. That's kind of a cool last name. Nakfus. I'm currently 23 years old and I'm developing my own trajectory in life. I'm starting in a promising new career, almost achieving financial freedom, etc. Problem is I'm facing a harsh situation regarding my relationship with my own mother. She had a hard past, harsh divorce, tough childhood, multiple failures, etc. So she is emotionally unstable and owner of a victim mindset. Owner of a victim mindset, that's rad. Knowing she will always depend on me financially and emotionally, what mindset attitude should I use based on your experience to create a healthy distance? So people treat you exactly the way you let them treat you. That's really important to understand. So if you buy into the frame of reference that your mom brings to any argument, whatever that may be, the negativity, all of that, um, then you're gonna get sucked into that and any discussion that you guys have back and forth is gonna be from a position of that. So what I would say is, do you always be compassionate towards her, always show her grace, kindness, love, compassion, but just be unwavering in what you know to be right for your life and let her know. You're, it's not that you're judging her. It's simply that living by that paradigm does not fulfill you. It doesn't make you feel good. Um, you fully respect if it is, if it's working for her, but, and look, I get it in your mind. You're going to be thinking, there's no way this works for her, but it may be stopping her from having to face a fear that is so paralyzing that she's just not ready to make that jump. And as much as you want that for her, you cannot force her to make that jump. So until she's ready, and by the way, the, the most compassionate thing you may be able to do for her is let her experience that pain for herself so that she can ultimately get out of it. All the talking in the world isn't going to help. So knowing that rather than trying to convince her, rather than even trying to convince her that your way is right, by the way, which is where most people get into trouble, they early on let go of trying to convince the parent that their way is wrong, which is very wise to let that go, but they then try to convince them that their way is right. And so I don't try to do that. And so I just say, look, this is me. This is what works for me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I really appreciate it. I know you care for me. I know that you want good things for me, um, but that just doesn't work for me. I've evaluated your point of view and I'm just not going to be acting in accordance with that. Um, and just constantly be consistent with that. And they're over time going to see you growing as a person and they're going to see your um, emotions getting more stable. They're going to see you having fun. And hopefully, hopefully they will at the end of that, then want that same thing for themselves. And if all through this, you meet them with love and compassion, they'll be more open to it. So it's just really understanding that if you let 
her suck you into an emotional argument or a debate or trying to get you to prove yourself or any of that. Um, it's just never going to work. Just love her, do you. And um, yeah, even if she's asking a question that you don't want to answer or pushing you in a direction you don't want to go, just say, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, let's talk about whatever and pick something that she finds really interesting that maybe puts a smile on her face. And there's nothing better than finding a topic that somebody in a really negative space loves to talk about. And if you can steer the conversation there, and by love, I mean that, that it really makes them embody something beautiful and positive, um, you can steer the conversation back to that. All right. Gaston Claret. Hi, Tom. I'm an entrepreneur, co-founder of Bigfoot, a game development company from Argentina. What's up, Argentina? I've been living a digital nomad lifestyle for the past year, moving from city to city or country every 15 to 20 days. Wow. And find it really hard to stick to a routine, workout, diet, meditation while on the road. Any advice you can give me? Wowza. So if you're moving every 15 to 20 days and you're changing time zones, yikes. You are setting yourself up for failure. So I think that that is from a microbiome perspective is really, really brutal. You're going to have to get very good at fasting. I'm just going to take this in a full on health theory direction because this is really the truth. Um, so one, watch health theory because we talk about a lot of stuff like this. Circadian rhythms really matter. So moving around that much um, is going to make it not only is it hard to stay in a routine when you're traveling that much anyway, but it's going to make what little routine you have less effective because there's so much disruption at the uh, microbiome level, which is going to cause all kinds of endocrine disruptions um, in your system, which is going to make you more lethargic and less on point, which is going to make you less likely to stick to a routine. So I, I would highly suggest um, staying in at least one time zone for longer periods of time. Okay, now setting that part aside, when it comes to sticking with your routines, you've got to have a routine that is totally agnostic to where you are. So there are certain things that you're just going to have to stick to. And assuming for a second that you're in the same time zone, going to bed at the same time, um, sleeping until you wake up, immediately doing certain things. So my morning routine, I think you guys all know by now, but it's like my gym clothes are right next to the bed. So the easy option is to put my gym clothes on. Once my gym clothes are on, that's a trigger to go actually work out because I actually have guilt if I put my gym clothes on and then don't work out. I feel like I've lied somehow to myself. So doing things like that, um, I think really will set you up to just get in that rhythm. So setting triggers so that you know that you're going to stumble over the, those triggers, like in my case, the gym clothes, that I would actually have to make a more difficult decision to go put something else on than I would to put the gym clothes on uh, and then just have that routine set so you know what to do next. You don't have to think about it. It's just completely mapped out. And a lot of times what happens is people go into reactive mode if they don't have a proactive plan. So if you want to avoid being reactive, make sure that you write down exactly your routine your habits, what times you're going to do things, what order you're going to do them in, um, and then focus on what is the result of doing those things. And I find that when I'm really, I don't have the energy to stick with something, I just think about what am I really trying to get out of this? And then I re-get myself amped up about that thing that I'm trying to accomplish. So um, that's what I would do. All right. Ooh, this is a tough name. Gercharn? Gercharn Singh. That's close. I've been working for my current company for 15 years. I work in a hospital administration as operations specialist. I'm getting my MBA in two areas, public administration and management, and have undergrad in clinical science. I'm not getting a break in my current company and I'm feeling stuck. I have so much to offer and have a great deal of experience and have shined at every given opportunity. I feel like my company is not appreciating what I have to offer. I am very impatient person and don't like to wait. I know there is an opportunity out there and I will find it. How do I wait for it? I'm so tired of waiting 
and it is starting to affect my personal and work life. Well, here's the reality. The only thing that matters is getting great. What you're quote unquote waiting for is a skill set that's undeniable. So if instead of worrying about your promotions or moving up or whatever, you focus entirely on building an insane set of skills that anybody looking at that will be left in awe, then you will find that you move up. So where I think people go wrong is they're not willing to face that they have a mediocre skill set. Once you're willing to face you have a mediocre skill set, then you can really start gaining momentum because you'll put the energy into getting better. And when your energy is focused inward at you saying, I'm not learning fast enough, I'm not growing fast enough, then all of a sudden you're not waiting on anybody. You're not waiting for opportunity. You're not waiting for luck. You're not trying to be patient. You're out there trying to get skills as fast as you can. And the skills is something that you love, that you're excited about. And you want the skills, not so you can check a box, not so you can put something on your resume, not so that you can do better in the next interview. You want the skills so you're great at something, so you can manage manifest something real with your skill set. That's the point. That's how you speed this all up. That's how you go faster is understanding there is no one to blame, not even in the slightest other than yourself. So I'm going to guess that you're delusional in the following sentence. I have so much to offer and have a great deal of experience and have shined at every given opportunity. I, I don't think like that. I fuck up so often, it's insane. But in all of the mistakes that I make, I try to learn something. And I try to be realistic about what I'm good at. And then from good, where am I great? Where am I truly extraordinary? Where am I beyond exceptional? And I try to work my way into those areas. I try to align my goals with things and really get great at those things that my goals demand. So. I would eliminate from your belief system the sense that like you've really gotten somewhere, you've really crushed it, and you want to think about how you can grow, how you can improve. And if you really get obsessive about that, then I think that you're going to take off and I think you're going to start growing in the way that you want to grow. So that's my advice. All right, guys, that was the last question. Thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't already, it would be amazing if you would go to your podcast app of choice and subscribe to this. That really helps. It helps us move up the ranks, which by the way, we're in the top 10 right now. Thank you guys so much for that. I'm way honored. Top 10 education. I suppose we should clarify that. Uh, but we're top 10 education. Super honored. If you haven't subscribed, that would be amazing. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.